0: Last several weeks, we have been embarking on a series that I've titled, I Need an Answer to Prayer. And each week, we have begun focusing on some different aspects of our life that we feel uh, desperately that we need God's intervention in. Today, the theme is one that I'm, I'm excited about because of the potential that it has to change your life, and that is the Prayer for Freedom. Freedom. The prayer for freedom. There's a passage of Scripture that I'm going to ask that you would turn to, found in Psalm 34, verses 4 through 6, and I would like to read that to you this morning as kind of a springboard into this topic that we're going to address. And the Scripture declares, I sought the Lord, and He answered me. I could could stop right there and preach a great message of hope and encouragement because when we seek the Lord, He answers us. I want you to know there's a a value for us who are followers of Jesus Christ to serve a living God because other people pray to their God who can't answer them because He doesn't have living ears. Our God hears us when we pray, and He answers us. But that's not the whole thing. I'm just getting warmed up. I sought the Lord, and He answered me. He delivered me from all my fears, How many fears? All my fears. Remember that. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. When are they covered with shame? Never. This poor man called, and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. How many troubles? All his troubles. Do you believe our God can do anything? Hallelujah. Father, we come before you this morning in recognition that we are in the presence of the highest royalty. Nothing that you cannot do. And we serve you and honor you, and we ask that through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you, be, you would begin to be at work within us. For, Lord, there are some that are here today that need to be set free. And there are others of us that need to be reminded of our freedom so that we can live in a way that honors you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an account of the story of Joseph that's found at the end of Genesis and into the beginning of Exodus that many of you who may have grown up in church know that Joseph's brothers didn't like him. They sold him into slavery, and he went through trouble after trouble, all the while honoring God even in the difficult times, not knowing that God was using those to develop a part of his nature that would be used. And ultimately, he ends up in Egypt and with the wisdom that God had given him, he becomes second in command, and God blesses him with favor. And then you move into the book of Exodus, and in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 14, it says this There then a new king to whom Joseph meant nothing came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, they will join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built Pentholme and Ramesses, the store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly." They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and all kinds of works in the field. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. This was the beginning of something taking place in God's people where the enemy began to recognize their potential and so he was going to do anything in his power to make sure that they couldn't reach their potential. And just like Pharaoh had a strange suspicion that he had better do something to hold these people back, our enemy today has the same inclination to hold you back from your promise, from your position, and from your calling, and from fulfilling everything that God has placed in your life to do because he recognizes that if you as a child of God live free, that his kingdom is in danger. And so what Satan has done is he has appointed over you taskmasters to oppress you. Just like there is a spiritual kingdom of God, there is a spiritual kingdom of the enemy who has demonic forces who work hard to make sure that you don't experience joy and freedom. And he's a horrible taskmaster. He has appointed over us those that would attack us and For those of you that were here on December the 31st when Pastor Julie was preaching about uh, spiritual warfare, we are living in a time of spiritual warfare, and the enemy is working so hard. But here's the good news. Just as God delivered Israel from the oppression of Egypt, he will deliver you and he will deliver me into the freedom that we ask and we pray for because our God is stronger than the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you have your bulletin, there's an outline of the message there and some room for you to begin to jot down some notes because as I have with each of these series, I want to leave you with a list of scriptures that answers for us the truth about God delivering us and providing freedom for us. In fact, there's a number of times, more than 25 times in both the Old and New Testaments that there are verses that illustrate how God empowers us to live in freedom when we call upon his name. In 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 19, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. In Psalm chapter 3, verse 7, Arise, O Lord, and deliver me. Oh, my God, strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. All right, I just have to be honest with you about this. I kind of like this one. How many of you have not had moments in your life where you're going, Lord, rise up and just punch them in the mouth and break all their teeth? Anybody else? Okay. I'm I'm not nearly as spiritual as I seem, apparently. Because I can picture David saying this after a bad day. When the people have, have come against him and his people and he's just had it. And he's going, just knock their teeth out. All right, that's just me. Psalm 34.4. I sought the Lord. And he answered me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Do any of you need to hear that today? Delivered me from all my fears. Psalm fifty-four, seven. He has delivered me from all my troubles, and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Psalm fifty-six, thirteen. You have delivered me from death. And my feet from stumbling that I may walk before God in the light of life. How many of you have had experiences in your life where without a shadow of a doubt, God prevented something from taking your life that you knew would have in any natural way? Aren't you glad that we have a God that goes before us? Psalm 59, 1 and 2. Deliver me from mine enemies, O God. Protect me from those who rise up against me. Deliver me from evildoers, and save me from bloodthirsty men. Psalm 79, 9. Help us, O God our Savior, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. I love this one because when, in a few minutes when we begin to pray and start asking God for help, I want you to know the reason he does that is not just as a benefit to us. It benefits his name because you become a testimony to how great he is. And so, Lord, for your name's sake for your name's sake deliver us Matthew 6:13 lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one and 2 Corinthians 1:10 he has delivered us from such deadly peril and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope and he will continue to deliver us He's delivered you in the past. He'll do it again because our God is deliverer by nature. So these verses clearly demonstrate the feelings of his people who have felt that when our backs are against the wall, that we can call out to the Lord and that he will hear us when we pray and he will answer the prayer and deliver us. So what does this mean for us? I believe, number one, it means that God liberates the oppressed and sets us free from our captors. Some of you today need to know that, that the attitude by which you came in, feeling as if you were overwhelmed by an enemy, today when you walk out of here, you will be free because God will liberate you. Secondly, he breaks evil strongholds that try to oppress us, and he will help us overcome our vices, our fears, our addictions, and our anxieties. So do you feel stuck this morning? Do you feel bound? Do you find yourself as if it seems that you're fighting an uphill battle against overwhelming temptations? Do you struggle with addictive behaviors? Do you feel as if victory may never come to you? If so, then I want you to know you're in the right place today because you're in the presence of the Lord who will set you free when you ask Him to do so. And I believe that today you will experience significant breakthrough. There's a a list of prayers that we have put within the bulletin just to give you some springboards into how to pray for different things. And here's one that's listed for your prayer for freedom. Lord, I am surrounded by an enemy that seeks to devour me. I want to do what is right, but when I try, I wind up doing the very thing I try to avoid. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your mighty hand to deliver me. Break the chains the enemy has placed on my life. Set me free from all that entangles me and all that seeks to destroy me. Show me your door to freedom and give me the strength to walk through it. Fill me with your peace in the midst of my anxiety and deliver me this day. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. As you begin to pray for freedom, I believe that he will begin to help you experience it in certain crucial areas of your life that I would like to minister to you for just a few minutes on this morning. And the first is freedom from oppression. Over the centuries, Satan has succeeded in convincing different civilizations that he does not exist. This is becoming particularly true in our Western culture. There are more and more people that simply do not believe... Not only that is there a God, but also that there is a Satan. And unfortunately, evil exists, and our enemy has a mission statement. And he has imparted on that mission to the forces of evil that work with him. And together, Satan and all of his evil cronies and the demonic spirits and powers seek to bring a devastation to all that God deems as valuable and beautiful and worthy. And you and I are in the center of this battle that is waged. We are between the kingdom of God and between the kingdom of darkness. But listen closely. We are not casualties of war, and we are not caught in the crossfire. Instead, we are the prizes of this war. We're the prizes. We are the ones by the way that we live and by the way that we seek God and by the way that we pursue Him that determines who is going to win in each and every one of our lives. Satan tempts and oppresses everyone, believers and unbelievers alike. He comes to the door of your heart and he knocks and he's searching for an inroad. And James warns us of the consequences of opening the door to the temptation when he tells us in James chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Each one is tempted when, by his own desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. Now, here's what the enemy does. The enemy cannot read your mind, but the enemy can take note of the patterns of your behavior. And as a result of that, there are weaknesses that you have in your life that are different than the weaknesses others have. There may be things that you struggle with temptation in that wouldn't bother me at all. But there are things in my life that I've got to build guardrails around my life for that might not bother you at all. But by the pattern of our behavior, the enemy begins to read us, and so he knows when he's knocking on the door the things that are weak within our lives. And the enemy, as he knocks knocks with an enticing behavior it's always something that we would naturally want to do because we are inclined that direction but if you open the door to the enemy when he is tempting you you allow him in and the bible says he gets a foothold in there in other words he doesn't want you to close the door back up he's found a way in and he will begin to work on that And once he's found a way in, he tries to establish a place, a secure foothold, where he can torment you and manipulate you. And so, when you open that door of temptation, in essence, you are giving the enemy permission to operate at some level within your life. Some of you here today have opened that door to the enemy. And he has whispered in your ear. And here's what he says. He begins to tell you that your life is not worth living. Some of you have had to battle oppression in your heart to the point where you have considered thoughts that I should just commit suicide. It would be better for the people around me. It would be better for everybody that knows me if I was just gone. I want you to know that is not a thought that comes from your God. That is the oppressor who's speaking into your heart and life. And I want you to know that God will help you recuperate your will to live if you will just seek him and pray, God, I need you to battle the oppressor in my own heart and life so that I will not give in to these self-defeating thoughts that my life is not worth living. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, The weapons that we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to God. Now, here's what that verse does not say. If you just hang on, you can barely make it to heaven. If you just don't give in, you just by the skin of your teeth, you can kind of make it. The words that I'm reading is that when you give God a chance, he comes in like a wrecking ball. He's waiting for the opportunity... For you to say, Lord, you know the things that are causing me oppression. And I need you to swing with the Holy Spirit and demolish those things in my life. So that I can begin to experience a freedom that I've never had before. Because he comes in to demolish the works of the enemy. Not barely holding on, but demolishing them. What you need this morning is common sense. To recognize that Jesus is your solution. You feel tormented by evil forces. You cannot find peace. If something is trying to steal your will to live, then I want you to look at this prayer with me because it might be one that will help you springboard from oppression to freedom. Lord, I feel oppressed and surrounded by diabolical forces. I call on your name because I believe that you will respond to my request. Cleanse me of all sin and create a clean heart in me. I ask you to silence the voice of the enemy so that I can hear your voice and follow your clear direction to freedom. I resist the attacks that come against me and I say, Be gone to the destructive thoughts and I reclaim my will to live life as Christ has promised me to live. I open my heart And receive your power, your strength, your healing, and your peace right now. Deliver me this day from the hand of the enemy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Others of you this morning are battling because you need freedom from addictions. Some of you that have attended this church any length of time know the story of my grandfather because I have told it before. He was working in the oil rigs of southern Louisiana as a young married man and was an alcoholic and a very angry man. The description that he gave to me as we were talking years later was that I would come home and he said, I don't remember ever having a happy day. I was always angry. It was always somebody else's fault. And and the only escape I could find was diving into a bottle. And when he was working one day, there was a Christian man in the oil fields with him that came up to him and said, Ephraim, you need to come to church with me tonight It was a midweek service, and he said, we went just in our work clothes. We were stinky and smelly, but he knew that I needed something. And he said, I walked into that church, and at the end of the service, the pastor said, I'm giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ. And he said, and God spoke to me. And he said, Ephraim, this is your one and only chance. I will never knock on the door of your heart again. If you receive me today, I will deliver you. If you walk out of these doors, I'll never knock again. He said it was so startling that he got up and he went to the front. And in that moment of time, God delivered him from alcoholism. God changed his nature, completely changed his life. He said, I now know what it means when he says, I will make you a new creation. Because whatever happened to that old creation was gone, dead, and buried. And he was a brand new man. My dad is the youngest of five children. And shortly after he got saved, my dad was born. So my dad was the only child to grew up in the family only knowing what it was like to grow up in a Christian home. A man who was dedicated to prayer and faithfulness. It changed, it changed the direction of my entire family. Changed it in that moment of time. Somebody here this morning needs to respond to God to be the one who will change the direction of your entire family. You need to know that the things that you have carried around with you historically can be broken by the power of the redeeming nature of Jesus Christ today and your family does not have to continue down the paths that historically you have to this point because Jesus is greater than your past. There is no addiction too great. There is no vice too powerful There's no family history too strong to overcome. There's no pattern that is too overwhelming and no stronghold that can resist the power of God when a child of God prays for freedom and breakthrough. Jesus proclaimed this message of hope in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I'm here to tell you today, if you are struggling with an eating disorder, if you're battling of, compulsive behavior, or addiction, or a sinful pattern that you've never been able to overcome, God offers you His power by living inside of you and working from the inside out and will transform you by the power of His might. He understands your disappointments. He understands your frustrations. He understands your pain. And maybe the following prayer can help you in your struggle to find freedom from addictions. When you say, Lord, I receive your power to overcome the vices and addictions that have kept me bound. Fill me with your strength and give me your discipline to follow through on what is wise, healthy, and good. Forgive me for allowing my heart to become attached to these destructive patterns. I ask you to break the chains the enemy has placed on me and grant me freedom only you can give. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And there there are some of you that you have absolutely no peace in your life. You are captured by fear and worry And anxiety constantly. In fact, I have yet to meet anybody who doesn't want more peace in their life. And as you lie down at night, and as you rest your head on your pillow, you long to put the busyness and the frustrations of your day and the world around you off to the side, but you cannot shut your mind off. The what-ifs of the world keep replaying itself over and over, and you cannot find peace and you cannot find rest. And you can't slow things down. Perhaps it's difficult for you to grab hold of the word because of the worry that you face. But God's peace is the opposite of fear and anxiety. Like his love, it's greater than anything we can comprehend. In fact, Paul summed it up when he wrote to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, when he says this. Now, I need to warn you, I'm about to read a passage of scripture that's easy to read. And sometimes hard to apply. Do not be anxious about anything. How many of you have ever read that to yourself? Any of you ever quoted that one? Can't go to sleep tonight. Be anxious for nothing. God, I'm, 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 an, I'm not anxious for anything. I'm not. I'm not really. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Okay, I am. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Do you know that that we can give thanks for gifts we've not even received yet? Present your request to God. In other words, my mom used to tell you, you might as well tell God what you're thinking because he knows anyway. Present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I want you to picture this. At night when you lay your head down and you're going, Lord, I can't shut this off. So I need the peace that goes beyond my ability to understand. But did you also notice that he places a guard there? Will guard your heart and mind. In other words, he knows there's a battle going on for your mind. And so not only does he dispense to you, the peace that you need in that moment, he then stands there with his flaming sword and looks at Satan and said, don't touch them because I'm guarding their mind tonight. I'm guarding their heart. The peace I give them, you cannot rob from them because I am their God. I am their God. There are certain times in your life when, when peace is robbed of you from circumstances you have nothing to do with. A number of years ago, I was on my way back from a ministry that I had been on, and I was catching the last flight from New York City, JFK, to Syracuse. It was a midnight flight. And, you know, you get on the plane, and it's, it's late at night, and, the, and, you know, they go through all of the warning stuff, and then they say, now sit back and enjoy your flight. So I sat back to enjoy my flight. And about on that 45-minute flight from New York City into Syracuse the phone rang up as we were getting ready for the descent the phone rang and i was about the fourth row back and it was one of those skinny little planes with two seats on a side and uh i saw the flight attendant take the phone and and she answered it and i saw all the color drain from her face and she hung up the phone and she jumps out of her seat and she grabbed a book and as she turned the book it said emergency landing procedures on on the on the notebook And I saw her turn the pages real quick and then start running her finger back and forth once, twice, and and I begin to think, my ability to relax and enjoy the flight is gone. (laughs) Because I now know something is up. And a couple of minutes after that, the captain came on and he says, ladies and gentlemen, I, I hate to inform you of this, but as we were preparing to land into Syracuse, the indicator light indicates that our nose gear won't go down. And so... Our flight attendant, who I have to imagine this was her last flight of the day. She was just, you know, Syracuse is not the place they all want to just have to spend the night a lot of times. But Suddenly had to go through her mind of how to prepare us for a crash landing. And so she begins to go through the procedures. And I'm sitting right next to a lady who has a a newborn on her lap. And um, I just want you to know something. You know, there's a lot of times people um, don't care that I'm a pastor until there's an emergency on a flight. People ask you all the time, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Have a nice flight. <laughs> she suddenly really cared. And uh, and I, I said, let me pray with you. I said, because my God is a great mechanic. And so we just prayed that God would give us peace and then made a plan that in the event, I said, listen, I've watched this on TV. Those things can come down and their nose can slide right along the ground and they're really good at this. And talking myself into it, just trying to give myself peace and, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, And so the captain said, what we're going to do is we're going to fly by and they're going to put a spotlight on us to see if our nose gear is down and the light just didn't go on. And so we're all looking out the windows and I didn't see a spotlight on my side as we're flying by. In fact, if they wanted to raise our taxes to give them a better spotlight, I might pay for that about now. And he came back around and he says, the results were inconclusive. Great. And so here's how we're going to prepare you. We, we we're going to be prepared in the event that we have to do two wheels down and a, and a bare nose. And so we watched as we circled around as all the fire trucks and all the emergency vehicles lined the runway and there's all these flashing lights which just obviously adds to your peace in those <laughs> moments. Um, and I remember as we're coming down, I told my wife about this later because she was sleeping, didn't know anything about it. When she was home, I said, I had this amazing sense of just, would you quit worrying? Just quit worrying. And I think I probably said, that's easy for you to say. You've already conquered death. I'm still on this side of it. (coughs) But there was this peace that just kind of settled. People weren't screaming or hollering. It just, okay, we're in your hands, Lord. I do recall that when the back wheels touched down, that I've never been so long on a runway without the nose going down. And when it finally hit, the, wheels, the wheel caught. And we landed safely. And I believe that the pilot got a round of applause. There are moments in your life where, even though you may live a peaceful life, the circumstances may instantly cause you to be thrown into turmoil. Do you know that God's peace is not excluded in those moments, but he knew ahead of time? And everything that you need is there to provide for you. More than ever today, God's people need peace. Mothers need peace in regard to the well-being of their children. I was overwhelmed with sadness this week at what we saw in that school in Florida. Overwhelmed with sadness. And today there are some parents who need the peace of God in ways that none of us have ever needed it before. There are college students that need peace because of what they're studying and the preparation that they're making for their future. There are business people that need peace regarding the economy. Some of you need peace because of where you work is absolutely chaotic. Our senior adults need peace as it relates to their health and the care that they need. And some of you need peace in your homes because your family relationships are not very peaceful. And when the intimidating voice of the oppressor threatens you, stand firm and lift up a prayer for freedom because God hears and answers the prayers of his people. And you will see the hand of God move in your life. And so perhaps, if you're caught in fear and worry, this prayer may help you. Lord, I ask you to rebuke the storm that is slamming into my life. Any of you need that today? Deliver me from the hand of the enemy that seeks to fill me with fear. I do not want to feel overwhelmed with anxiety. I want to experience your presence, your strength, and your power. I open my heart to you and receive your peace that supersedes all fear and worry. I resist the anxiety that the enemy is using to intimidate me, and I proclaim that every aspect of my life is in God's hands. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And some of you today need freedom from sin. Part of the beauty of the book of Romans that Paul writes is the position that he takes in Romans chapter 8. Because the preceding chapter in Romans chapter 7, Paul takes a look at his own life and he begins to discuss his own shortcomings, and he writes words like this, found in, in verses 7, or excuse me, chapter 7, verses 15, 18, and 19 and 24. He goes, I do not understand what I do. Have any of you ever said that? What's wrong with me? For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. 18 to 19. I know that nothing good lives in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what's good, but I cannot carry it out. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death. Now... I've told you before, I love Paul because he just puts things plainly, and every one of us have had a conversation with God that goes like this. Lord, I've tried my best to do what's right, and I can't. What is wrong with me? I'm so wicked. I'm worse than I thought I was, and I didn't think all that highly of myself to begin with. And if Paul had stopped writing Romans right there, we are in deep trouble. It would have been one of the most depressing looks at humanity ever. But Paul goes on to write chapter 8. And he says that God has already set him free from the law of sin and death. In Romans 8.1. And that while he couldn't beat the sin that hounded him, God did that for him by sending his own son. And so this is coming from a Romans chapter 7 man who's still battling his sinful leanings. And a man who has at times lost those battles... But what comes as a great relief to us is that God has already done the hard work of tackling the sin problem. Because of the cross, sin is defeated. Satan's greatest threat to us is permanent separation from God because of our sin. Satan sets the trap, and he hopes we fall into it. But then Jesus came and gave up his own life for the sake of sinners. And he said, I will defeat your sin, and I will set you on a new path, and I will set you free. And so for those of us in this room, which includes all of us, that have fallen short of the glory of God, we come and we accept God's great gift of grace And then we get to experience God's glory as if we've never sinned at all. Hallelujah. Kevin Miller relates this story. He was staying at some friend's house and they put him in a room where their children had a hamster. The hamster's name was Hammy, he said. He said this was a typical hamster. It was a cage that was filled with cedar shavings that looked nice and comfortable. It had... A beautiful water bottle there had a little circular thing that hamsters were supposed to run in. And he figured it was going to keep him awake all night running in that. He says, but the interesting thing as I was observing Hammy the hamster was that this was a different kind of hamster. He said, rather than running on the inside of the wheel, this hamster would crawl up the side of it and lay on its back on the top of the wheel reaching over and hooking its claws in one of the bars and then would throw its weight back and so that the thing would swing around and it would whack his head on the bottom and it would catch him and pinch him underneath the wheel. And he says, I'm staring at this hamster and it has to squeeze itself out of the things it was in and it runs right back up, climbs back up to the top and does it all over again. Boom! 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 And he kept looking at the thing going, that is the stupidest hamster that probably has brain damage that I've ever seen. And he says, and as I was watching this hamster, it was as if the Lord spoke to me and said, why do humans who are supposedly so much smarter than hamsters do the same thing? Why do you keep running into the areas that you know you should be avoiding in life? and keep letting it roll right on you and pinch you to the point where there has to be an escape after you've constantly whacked your head. You see, sin doesn't have to hold you in power as a prisoner because God has broken the chains. It's what Jesus had in mind when he cried out these last words on the cross. It is finished. Those were destructive words to Satan that tries to hold you today because the story's been written. The freedom is yours. You just need to take a hold of it. So today, here's a prayer that may help you as you pray for freedom over the power of sin. Lord, I do not want to be a slave to the power of sin. I do not want any sinful pattern to exist in my life. I want you to set me free, break every sinful pattern, and release me from the dominion of sin over my life. Give me the ability to recognize any impure motive and the strength to do what is right in your eyes. I open my heart to receive your life-transforming power. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Stand with me, please, this morning.